Good morning. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. You certainly heard about the soup competition. And right now I will say you have a big lead. And there's some soup over in the chapel that will be transferred by our acolytes right at the end of this worship service. That will be awesome. We can't wait till you guys get that. Yeah, I was uh, telling uh, some of the folks beforehand, they were asking me about the, the, the shirt I'm wearing. I said, well, it's, you know, uh, a, a jersey from when I was playing college football back in the day, a long time ago. I said, I got it out last night and... You know, since it's been in a box for a while, and I didn't play last year, uh, it smelled really old, you know, really old. So I washed it up, and, and then someone went on and, and said, well, you, it fits pretty well. I said, yeah, but I used to shove a pair of shoulder pads under this thing. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> glad to be upright um, is my comment, I guess, to that. So... Um, I love to see the uh, various colors that people wear. You know, when we come to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, one thing we know for sure is that the colors of our hearts, you know, the tattoos and the circumcision of our hearts show undying loyalty, complete fidelity to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have parts of our lives that have some fidelity and loyalty to other places. Uh, the Iowa Wesleyan Tigers, I've seen Linmar, uh, I've seen some Marion stuff, some Albernet stuff, I've seen some Jefferson stuff, seen some Hawkeye stuff, and Northern Iowa stuff, and Iowa State stuff. Whatever you're wearing, see, I want this to be your moment. And, and maybe you didn't wear it on the outside, but you've got it right there. So, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so we're going to give a super cheer, but you're responsible for your own loyalties. Okay, so in a minute, I'm going to go one, two, three, and you're just going to say go, and then fill in the blank, all right? So if it's, you know, go Tigers, and if you don't have a team, just go with the Tigers. Um, <laughs> good United Methodist-related college, you know, in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Uh, but let's, let's raise the roof a, a little bit because it's part of the fun we like to have uh, in our lives. So here we go. One, two, three. Go Tigers! Oh, you sound great. You sound like passionate, loyal, enthusiastic uh, fans, so I'm, I'm grateful uh, for that and enjoy that. Last week, uh, wisely, some of you weren't here because of weather and whatnot, but we did have worship services, and during that service, we had the servant, service of covenantal renewal. Now, there's a piece of liturgy in this covenantal renewal almost that covers this whole thing. We put on fancy paper because we wanted people to bring it home and roll it around in their hearts and minds, but if you weren't able to be here, no guilt or anything like that, Uh, Since we had extras, uh, there's a pile back there at the welcome table. We'd love for you to take one home. And it takes about, honestly, it takes about uh, a few minutes to read through the prayer. Uh, But it is an opportunity for you, whether it's just in your own chair or, uh, you know, in your prayer place, for you just to to roll those words around and say, who do I covenant uh, my life to uh, and how? And And it's, I think, a very thorough prayer. Pastor Keith is going to lead us this morning in the first of quite a handful of sermons on the book of Philippians. We're going to be working through Philippians from now through May, so get your mind around it a little bit, folks, and, and read it from time to time. Keith's going to give you some uh, anecdotal evidence as to how you can read it and how quickly and all that sort of thing. I'm simply going to begin uh, the first reading of the Scripture, and we're going to begin to, to chew on this, to savor its taste in the heart and, and in our mouths as we, as we hear the words in the next few months and put it into practice uh, in our minds and our hearts. So here we come to Paul's letter to the Christians at Philippi. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, 
to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers seers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. May God's word wash across your soul. May it become useful for your spiritual growth, and may you develop in it. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, as Pastor Keith comes now to stand before us, we know that he is competent to do so because first he stood before you. We ask, O oh God, that the prayers that he has prayed, the preparations that he has made, the study that he has done, might come to life by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in this time that we call the sermon. Embody through Keith, Lord, your word eternal to us, and let our hearts and minds be transformed to this day, and let us be more fully Christian because of this time listening to your words through our pastor than we were before we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Mike. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We were going to do the jumping thing, but there's a couple services after this. Yeah, and I can't jump. <laughs> 11 o'clock, yeah. right here. Yeah. All right. I'm not supposed to hurt the senior pastor in the jumps, though. I'm not sure that you'd be the one being hurt, but uh, I think that they could bring us soup up here, so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're going to have a good time today, all right? Are you having fun? I, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad to see all your jerseys. And everything. I'm representing the Flyers. My wife's from Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, I don't have an Eagles jersey yet. And if I did, I wouldn't wear it this year. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, I don't know squat about the Flyers right now, but it, it kind of looks cool. Um, so I thought I'd throw that on. So welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're excited. Pastor Mike and I have an opportunity every, every I don't know, couple months to, to come together and just take some time to, to vision and pray and seek the Lord for where we would go as a as a teaching partnership to, to bring before this church uh, the scriptures. And, and certainly plenty of things that we've gone through and are, are ready to walk into. But as we gathered a, a couple months ago in the college over at, or at Co College up in the library, we, we really felt the Lord leading us to, to walk through this book of Philippians and, and, and walk through it in a way that might be a little bit different than, than what you've experienced, but might be the same for some of you. We're going we're to walk through Philippians uh, verse by verse. And what I mean by that is, is ultimately that we're going to read every single verse of this book over the next uh, you know, course of months and, and preach on it. When, when I came about a year and a half ago, we were going through the book of Ephesians. I think we made it through that in about five weeks. Well, we're going to spend about uh, February, March, April, four months 
in, in the book of Philippians. Now, Philippians is, is not a, a large book, so, so of course, we, we have a challenge before you today on this, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, this, is, is for, for each of you to read the book of Philippians at least once a month during this study, the entire book. Now, don't be intimidated by that. Because we, we've had a couple of case studies to make sure that, that this wasn't beyond our, our abilities as a congregation, and we're, we're confident that it's not. In fact, at our last staff meeting we had a couple weeks ago, in the midst of our agenda of, you know, just super important things that we do there, um, we just, we stopped and we said, all right, everyone on our staff, just read the book of Philippians. Ready? Go. And I had my stopwatch, and I, and I, I, I pressed start, and when the last person put their book down, uh, we were somewhere as a staff between the eight and nine minute mark collectively as a staff, average-wise, to read the entire book. So it's not going to take you a ton of time, but I think ultimately it's going to help you to understand where we're going. And, and really our, our ultimate desire would be what we think would be so cool would be for people to be reading ahead week to week, to be emailing in questions and observations and, and things that God spoke to you through those books so that all of us can kind of go on this journey together and that it would be something that that ultimately would be completely, uh, we, we would just immerse ourselves in that. So one other piece of this, of this puzzle that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out as a suggestion would be this. I would love to see each of you bring in, bring in your Bibles to hear about that. Now you say, well, we have pew Bibles, Pastor Keith, you know, but the pew Bibles were never meant to replace your own personal study Bible. And since we're going to go through this sort of as a, a big Bible study, it'd be awesome if you brought your, your Bibles to be able to make notes and look through and, and have that. So it'd be great. I think it's going to be awesome. Another case study I've been involved in at, at, at the Nestor household is we've been, we've been waking up our kids early and every, every weekday morning, and at 6.30 we have an appointment at our, at our dining room table, and we've been going through this book of Philippians verse by verse with our kids. Now, our kids are, you know, 11 and, and 13 and, and 15, so, you know, not real excited about being up super early in the morning, as you can imagine. And, but it's been cool to see this transformation take place. Um, when we come out there, they've got their Bibles open, they're ready to go, and they know exactly where we're going to be. And, and I've seen it become kind of a, a neat thing just in our own house. So I'd, I'd encourage you to really just be involved in this and, and be excited about it and, and, and be in this book because we picked it for a lot of reasons. It's, it's a great book for where our church is right now, I believe. And, 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 and what I want to do this morning is... is kind of go over some of the general themes of this book of Philippians. I want to talk about our goals for it, and I want to encourage us with the overall message of why we're, we're picking this book. So there's the challenge. Now I want to talk to you about why Philippians. Why not some other book? Well, first and foremost, one of the reasons why we chose Philippians was because of the way in this book that Christ is revealed in this book. You see, ultimately, our goal in teaching and, and, and being in the Word of God is that we would, we would see Christ revealed. And there's a great text in chapter 2 that, that Paul writes about what's going on with, with Christ. And, and here's what he says here in, in verse uh, 5 through 11 of chapter 2. My translation may be a little bit different from yours, but you can read up on the screen. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, that's a great, that's a great picture of the nature of Christ, that, that he's God, that he came down to become our Savior in the flesh. And indeed, as we go through this text, we really want Christ to be the central focus. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. We want to make sure that as a church, that that's exactly what we're doing. We're not going off on tangents, or we're not uh, getting caught up in the things of this world, that ultimately we've come here to declare the glory of God and to preach Christ. And Philippians is a great verse, or a great uh, book to do that with. Because it's important that we understand who Jesus is. We can't just have this sort of, like, you know, generic, oh, we love Jesus. You know, because the truth is, a lot of people, I mean, watch the Grammys. Everybody thanks Jesus, you know. Does that mean that they know who he is? You know, watch the game today. How many players are going to get up and thank Jesus for scoring their touchdown? But is that what Jesus is really all about? You know, you, you tell me. But as we study the scriptures, we're not just going to learn humanities or our culture's understanding about Jesus. We're going to learn the scripture's understanding about Jesus. And that's what we need to do. We need to understand who Jesus is based on the revelation of God's word. And that's what Philippians is going to help us to do. Also, in, in Philippians, there is great encouragement for our church as we continue to grow into a gospel-centered community. You know, there, there's great encouragement for us. Look at, look at this text that Mike read in, in chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, church, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's encouragement there. There's encouragement that this work of God that he's begun, that he's going to do the work in us. When, when we look at the monumental things that, that God has laid before our congregation, and we say sometimes, how are we going to do this? We have to be confident that it's Christ who does the great work in us. And indeed, there's encouragement there. Also, there's, there's challenge. There's, there's how we can get along with each other. This church in Philippi was going through various things. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But Paul's writing to encourage them as a community. How do you treat each other? How do you get along? What do you focus on? How do you deal with that? And, and as we as a church continue to move into gospel-centered community, that's what we're going we're gonna to be faced with. And also, not just as a church, but as individuals. Philippians is a great book because individual Christians are encouraged and challenged in some very practical ways. And there's a lot of really, really interesting things that Paul writes about in, in this text. I'll read uh, chapter 2, verses 12 here and 13. He writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, it's God working in us, Paul would write, but we also have to cooperate with that work, and there's great encouragement for all of that. And ultimately, through the book of Philippians, we are given an amazing example of faithful perseverance in the Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, and in and this church. And, and there's, a, there's a great text from chapter 3 where he kind of talks about his own self a little bit and gives encouragement. He says this in, in, in verse 10 of chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So Paul wants to give his own life as an example. And I think that his example is a great example, not just for the church in Philippi, but for the church in Marion. For us to see what it's like to go through the amazing amount of persecution and suffering the Apostle Paul did, but yet at the same time be able to rejoice. Because indeed, Philippians is a book about rejoicing. This book was written about the year 52 from a Roman prison cell by the Apostle Paul who first came to Philippi on his second missionary journey. And the book of Acts chapter 16 describes this journey and what's clear, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter 16 to you right now, but what's clear from that, from that uh, text is that this church in Philippi was a wild place. This God was doing amazing things. In fact, there was an instance where Paul was, was walking through the town and this, this young girl who was possessed by these demons and, and being used as sort of a, a trick for her owners would come by and she was hassling the Apostle Paul and, and she could make all these prophecies and say all these spiritual things and Paul turned to her and cast these demons out of her, right? And, and when the demons left her, she no longer had this ability to say these spiritual things. So, so her, her owners were upset and there was this, this situation and Paul ultimately was thrown in prison. Well, while he was in prison with his, with his followers, there were, the Lord caused a great earthquake, and the prison doors were opened up. And when the, when the prison guard saw that the prison doors were open, he was terrified because it was his responsibility to make sure everyone was in the prison. And, and so he ran in, and, and, and he was ready to kill himself because he, he knew that it was his responsibility, and, and the prisoners would be free, and who knows what would happen. And Paul says, take heart, we're still in here. And, and, and this, this jailer couldn't believe what had happened. And, and, and at that moment, he got on his knees and he asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And this, this, this jailer in Philippi became a believer that day. And he and his household were baptized into the church of Jesus Christ. And, and there I wonder if this jailer is one of the folks who Paul writes this letter to. Great, amazing, miraculous things that were taking place in this church. But at the same time, great persecution, great difficulty and Paul writes that this church is shared in that persecution. He has great affection. Ultimately, what Philippians is, it's a love letter between a pastor and this congregation. And he's looking back over the years, and he's writing back, and he's thanking them for the way they persevered with him. He's thanking them for the way they've helped supply his need, and he's encouraging them, and he's saying, press on, don't give up, hang in there, fear not your enemies. And he's telling them all the great things that God has in front of them. And he's filled with rejoicing. This book also deals with a couple other individuals that, that Paul talks about. A man named Epaphroditus. You know, that's fun to say. I made sure that when we got to that portion in my house that, that I made Drew read that one. Right, when it came time to his read. That, it, that was pretty funny. But Epaphroditus is, is, is a young man who, who was sent by the church 
to, to give Paul this, this generous gift to help supply his needs for his ministry. But yet as he was, was on his journey, he, he becomes sick and nearly dies along the way. And Paul writes to them to say, hey, Epaphroditus is okay. I just wanted you to know that so you could rejoice. And so there's a lot of like personal affection between these individuals in this church. And, and Paul writes to share that, you know, this, this man was spared death. And in the midst of all of his appreciation, he deals with some conflict that they're experiencing. He helps them work through a few things. Apparently there were two women in the church, and Paul has to deal with that conflict that arises between them. And we don't know exactly what it was, but you can imagine someone put the coffee in the wrong place, or someone said this, or did that, or whatever. There was some conflict. And, and the way that Paul deals with it was not to get in the middle of what that situation was, but he, he challenges them in this way. He says, be of like mind. He says, think about the things that you have in common. Don't get caught up in the differences that you have. Don't get caught up in the things where you're dissimilar. Instead, focus on the things that you have in common. And and I think that that's incredibly important for us as a United Methodist Church in this this particular instance because we are such a diverse congregation. We have many things that that we share in common, but we're very diverse. Four worship services that that span ages and interests and life experience and and spiritual levels of commitment, all of that. We're very diverse, and and I would say that that the amount of conflict that that we experience here is is relatively minimal, And, and we thank God for that. But as we move into the future, it's so important that we maintain, despite our diversity, a like mindedness around the gospel and around who Jesus is, and around what God's called us to do and be in this world. And that's one of the things that Paul encourages this church in, is, is to, to, to grow in that. And we'll, we'll discuss more about that. Paul's desire was for this church to endure their persecution. And ultimately, points them to the fact that any confidence that they have to do the work of God in them needs not to be confidence in their own abilities, but confidence in the work of Christ working through them. He encourages that no matter what it costs to follow Jesus, it's worth it to get Jesus. He tells the church to press on toward Christ, reminding them that it is Jesus who gives us the strength to endure whatever hardships they come. And he'll close his letter by saying this, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I think that's a great message. And I think everything we're going to read in Philippians is ultimately going to help us as a congregation to, to, to maintain our focus, to grow together in the gospel, and it's going to help us as individuals. So our goals for this study, simply put this way, to, to grow in our understanding of Christ, to understand gospel-centered community, to become more like-minded and gospel-centered, and to train ourselves to feed on Scripture. And as we go together, that's what's going to happen, I believe. So every day, I encourage you, read a little bit from Philippians. Once a month, or maybe once a week, read through the whole book. Make notes. Figure out what God's doing through this book in your life. And understand that his encouragement to us is ultimately about rejoicing. You see, Paul wrote this book while he was in chains. He wasn't sitting on a beach someplace thinking back on his illustrious life, you know, in a retirement situation where he's got all of his needs cared for with everything figured out and it had gone well. He had some rough spots, but now it was all good. He wrote this book while he was in a Roman prison awaiting execution, while he was in chains, but yet his chains did not define him. His circumstance did not define him. His identity was not found in his circumstances, but in the gospel. 
And that is why he could have great joy. Philippians is a book of great joy. Are you in chains? No, certainly not literal chains of prison, but perhaps there may be other chains that surround your life. Despite those chains, do you have joy? See, we're not here to preach a message about how to have a great life and how to make your life great and how to change all those situations, but we are here to preach a message about how to change your mind in the midst of those situations. And indeed, Philippians is all about that. It's about how you think. It's about what goes through your mind. It's about your perspective. It's about your focus. And it, it, it brings home the point that no matter what kind of chains you are surrounded with, maybe they're financial trouble chains or 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 relational chains or physical health chains or whatever it might be. Each of us has some situation that, that if we're not careful, if we don't watch our minds, can, can overwhelm us and define us and keep us stuck. And, and Paul would write and say, look, look at me. I got these physical chains. But, but you know what? Here's what Paul would say ultimately, and here's what he did ultimately. He, he let his chains bring glory to God. Because in Paul's closing, when he says, thus and thus greets you, you know who else greets him? The, 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 those in the household of Caesar, those who are holding him captive, send their greetings to this church. Now, how is that possible? Because Paul was literally chained to human beings. But Paul's view was not, I'm chained to these human beings. Paul's view was, they're chained to me. And as long as they're chained to me, they got to hear exactly what I have to say. I mean, imagine, Pastor Mike, if, if we were to take chains and put them around these doors, lock these folks in here, right? I mean, what could we do? Right? We could do some preaching in here. We could go through like, like some crazy stuff, right? And they couldn't go anywhere, right? I think they'd be rattling some stuff. These, these, these beautiful windows might not make it, despite their great beauty. See, Paul viewed his chains as an opportunity to, to, to take those who were stuck with him and say, all right, well, if you're stuck with me, we're going to hear about Jesus. Our chains can even bring glory to God. Paul writes this over and over, rejoice in the Lord again. I say rejoice always. Allow God to mold your thoughts as we go through this book. Allow God to work in your heart. Allow God to take whatever situation you may find yourself in and bring glory to God through that. Allow God to give you an appetite for his word. Dig into it, marinate in it, live in it. And allow God to help us as a community to grow in the grace of God. It's going to be a great few months as we go through Philippians. I believe it. Now, another great example that we have of, of someone using their chains to bring glory to God is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, as we read in chapter 2 of Philippians, took on the chains of human flesh. He, he took on the chains of, of, of physical limitations that he had not known before as he eternally existed in the Trinity, but yet he took on the chains of human flesh so that we could be chained to him ultimately so that he could, he could redeem the world. He, he didn't see these chains as something to, to mourn over. Instead, he used them as an opportunity to become our Savior. And we celebrate that this morning through, through Holy Communion because it's, it's a very fitting illustration, I think, because as Jesus went through this, despite the, the, the pain, despite the fear, there was also great joy. You see, you see, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he told his disciples this, I have earnestly longed to celebrate this Passover feast with you. I've had my eye on this. I've waited for it. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be the hardest thing any person has ever endured in the history of the universe. But I look forward to this of my own accord. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. And indeed, 
That's what would happen. From the night he was betrayed, he, he, he used this. He took this bread. He gave thanks for it. And, and like the chains being broken, I think he broke the bread and he, and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. In essence, it was like, these are the chains I've been wrapped in, and, and I've walked this earth with you, but, but my chains are going to be broken soon for you, and I'm going to be broken soon for you. Indeed, the thing that, that you see before you, my body, my chain will be broken for you so that you may be free. Take and eat it. Let, let my broken chain lead to your joy, is what Jesus would say. Well, when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take each of you and drink from this cup. This is the cup of my blood, the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's as if he was saying, your pain, my pain has become your joy. Look back, remember, drink this in, make it a part of you. This is what I went through for your redemption. Today as you come to take communion, you know, some of you are, are, are in some sort of chain. And, and, and you know what, We're, we take that stuff seriously here. And, and we don't pretend that it's no big deal. But what we will tell you is this, whatever chain that you're, you're locked in, take on the mind of Christ with that. Allow Christ to bring you joy in the midst of that suffering. And because we're a gospel-centered community, we'll walk through that with you. You don't have to do it alone. You've, you've got a body of believers that, that is here to walk through it with you because of what Jesus has done. He saved us from our sins. Will you put your focus on him? Will you keep him at the center? Today, as you come forward for communion, I just want you to... to to take some time and, and just to say a prayer, and, and this is your prayer I want you to say, God, will you speak to me through this study through Philippians? I, I promise to go through it. Speak to my heart through it. Help me to persevere. Help me to have joy. And I believe even as we celebrate this incredibly painful experience, that it was God's greatest joy for us. The altar is open.